Today I want to talk about the gifts and the calling of God upon our lives. Because where we are going as individuals, there is a destiny in God. So in Romans chapter 10 verse 29, it says, For the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. That is the King James Version. The NIV says, For God's gifts and His call are irrevocable. Irrevocable simply means they cannot be changed. God's divine intention and plan about who we should be and do will never change. Even if we may choose not to be or to do what He planned for us. God purposed before the creation of the world who we shall be and who we shall do. And that will not change. The book of Ephesians chapter 1, when you read from verse 3, it talks about that God has blessed us with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Before the creation of the world, the Bible says God blessed us. It says he chose us in him, in Christ Jesus, to be holy and blameless, to be like God. The book of Titus tells us something very important. It says, in hope of eternal life, that is in Titus chapter 1, verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before the time began. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared beforehand. So you see the, the key words or the key phrases that I want you to remember in everything I've said so far is that it says before time began, before the creation of the world, before human beings were created, before you were there, God had already called you and blessed you and chosen you and intended that you should have eternal life. So God did not create you and get surprised. So friends, when the Bible therefore says these things are irrevocable, it means God's plan about you being blessed, you having eternal life, you being holy, you being called, these things cannot be changed. They will remain God's plan, even if you go to hell. You see, God's love is unconditional and eternal. But God's love, if not received whilst on earth, won't take you out of hell. God will love you, excuse the pun, to hell. But how so can it be healing? There's nothing he can do for you. But that does not change his love for you. And so I want to touch on these three things. Because very soon, we will be appointing leaders, appointing deacons. I know some of you, most of you know what deacons and elders are. Some of you don't know, but we'll teach about that. Today, I just want to touch on calling, gift, and task. When you hear people say, I am called, most of the time, you say the pastor is called, right? Yeah, By implication, you mean when you are not called. Yeah. But I want us to correct that today so that when we do what needs to happen insofar as appointing leaders, we are aware that all of us are called. So calling is what God primarily created us to be and to do. 
It defines our identity and vocation. That is our purpose in life. When we say you are called, the first thing you should ask yourself is to be what and to do what. I'm good like normally. So most people, this is what they think. Are you called? No, I don't know if I'm called. You know what they are thinking? They are thinking, am I an apostle? And am I an evangelist or am I an apostle? Their understanding of calling is very, very myopic. If you understand that part. All callings are originally in Christ. Although because of the fall, we experience the call in two ways. Or the calling unfold in two ways. Firstly, we are called unto salvation. That is to Christ. Then we discover in Christ God's plan for our lives. Remember, everywhere you read, it says, In Christ you were chosen. When was that? Before the creation of the world. So every one of us, in Christ we were chosen. So when we, were, we, we got born, because of Adam, we were born into sin, outside Christ. Loud like it. And then the Bible says, therefore we must be born again. What does born again means? It means we must be regenerated into Christ. So the first calling that we have as sinners is what the Bible says. Today, if you hear the word of the Lord, do not harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation. So many are called. Who are we called to? To Christ. You realize that? So you came to Christ because you were firstly called to Christ. That is the first process of our calling. But the second one is that you are now in Christ. Right? You need to discover other aspects of what you are called to be and to do. And it is not just to be a preacher. Is that okay with you? It is essentially one call, therefore realized through two processes. In Christ, there are various things we are called to, to be and to do, way beyond our emphasis of the various attention-seeking parts of the calling or specific ministries. Most people, they say, God, I want to know my calling. All they are saying to God is that I want to know something that can make me look important in the eyes of others. Hey, that's what people me that's their desire but friends we are called into many things even before before I'm a pastor I'm a Christian but as a Christian there are things that I am called to that will reveal my calling as a pastor or an apostle or whatever the case may be. Few of those are, we are called to obedience that comes by faith, by faith or from faith. So we are called to obey God. A lot of people want to find what they are supposed to do in God when they can't even do what he has already told them to do. But you are hoping for him to tell you what to do specifically. Do what is revealed first. In doing that, you might discover what is hidden. 
We are called to peace. Most people don't live in peace even if they are Christians. But friends, we are called to have peace within ourselves and to pursue peace with others. Remember what But Babang, as a child of God, he wants to be an apostle, but he still says, I will never forgive that person. Never. But friends, we are called to peace and to forgiveness. We are called to freedom. As we were singing today, breaking of chains. Other people still want to live in bondage, but preach freedom to others. How sad. We are called to hope. We need to be people of hope. Even in the midst of death and disease, we still says, my Redeemer lives. Even if it's hard, other people should see that there is hope. We are called to eternal life. Eternal life does not start tomorrow. It has started. You are either having eternal blessed life in Christ or eternal cursed future in hell. Souls don't die. They are either in the blessedness of the glorious presence of God or in the forever torment of the fires of hell. We are called to holiness. And yet we feel, ah no, it's my life. God will understand. We are called to patient endurance, endurance of suffering. Friends, the Bible says, Jesus became an example for us in suffering. But you know, we don't want to suffer anymore. And I'm not talking suffering, poverty, and sickness, and disease. I'm talking persecutions for the word of God. People don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to be spoken evil of. Why? Because that is why everywhere you go, you are scared to tell them you are a Christian. But above all things, friends, we are called to fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our primary and our first call. As Paul writes to the, the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. Oftentimes, we rush towards a calling in a specific ministry to the neglect of all other aspects of our, of our calling. We shipwreck our lives through flawed characters and failed relationships. Because I want to be known as an evangelist, I do not even work on my character. I don't work on my relationships with people. Finally, I shipwreck my relationship and my faith. When I speak to people, I am always harsh because I want them to know I'm an evangelist. An evangelist is harsh. Who says? Isn't an evangelist a Christian? The Bible says be gentle. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. Don't evangelists need the fruit of the Spirit? Yeah, but because that's not what you want to pursue. You want to pursue being known. You are very harsh. Most people are passionate about following their calling and exercising their gifts whilst neglecting their first call to fellowship with Jesus and becoming like him. So in whatever manner, friends, you serve God, do not be deceived to think you are making progress when you are not keeping Jesus as a priority above all things. You are only allowing the devil to set you up for a great fall one day. 
That is why the devil does not mind great preachers. He doesn't mind great evangelists. He doesn't mind any of those things. He only minds the person who keeps Jesus as the center. Because he knows you can be a great preacher, a great healer, a great what? But you have a private world in which he knows he's going to defeat you one day. So he can let you do all these things and one day they hear that you slept with a girl. And all the things you have built just for like, just in one day. You hear that that great man has divorced. That great woman. How many women you remember who were prayer warriors? Who wanted to intercede for the pastor? I'm the pastor's intercessor, but few months, few years down the line, she has slept, slept with the keyboardist. The very keyboardist who used to bless us. And we used to say, ah, oh, these people are powerful. These people allowed the devil to set them up for a great fall. But God has also called us to specific things. And the Bible says we must desire. That is why it says in Ephesians 2.10, he created you to do good works, which he prepared. These are specific things that you and I need to do. And as it may be, these gifts sometimes double up as offices and gifts. An apostle is a person who operates in an office of an apostle. But not everyone, for instance, who prophesies is a prophet. You understand that? So there are, you and I can prophesy. Are we all prophets? No. Every child of God can prophesy. But there are those who are specifically called to be prophets. And so we have those that are specifics, like apostles. Paul Every time he writes a letter, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. The Bible says, Philip was one of the evangelists. Luke writes, says, Living the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven that were chosen in Acts chapter 6. That is in Acts 21 verse 8. God says of Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. You see what God is saying? I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. When? Before you were formed. Where? In Christ Jesus. Is that okay with you? So whilst it may be surreal to some of us and somewhat peculiar to the likes of Jeremiah, the words that God spoke to Jeremiah are true to us today. Albeit not specifically with regards to being a prophet. But whatever God has called us to become and to do as individuals. We are therefore all called and therefore all need to discover our callings and gifts. Mansu Mudimu says, when he says, I called you before you were formed in your mother's womb. To some of us it's like, you, 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 you. Hey, Jeremiah was a special guy. No. Every one of us, those words apply. Before you were born. And he called you before. It is just the fact that he revealed that to Jeremiah, to Paul and to others and to many that are here. But you have not realized yet that Luana you are called in the same man. To a specific task. That when you are not fulfilling, 
one day you'll stand before God and be shamed. It says in Romans 8.28, For those that God foreknew, Did God know you before you were born? Are you sure? It says, if he has known you before, he has also predestined you to be conformed to the likeness of his son. That he may be the firstborn amongst you and me as brothers. And those that he predestined, he also called. So you see, if he foreknew you, he called you too. I think I've already spoken about the things we are called to. Now he's speaking about the specifics. David attests to this truth in Psalm 139 when he speaks of how intimately God knows us. In verse 16 he says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them can be. So he's basically saying, Every one of us, God knows us. Even before we were formed, he saw us. Hi, my, my pastor is a special man. Oh, really now? What about you? What about the gifts? The gifts simply stands for the grace or the spiritual ability given freely by the Godhead to individuals for the undertaking of the task God has entrusted them with. Which means, if God says, I want you to be a prophet, what gift is he going to give you? A gift of prophecy. Loud like it. So, mudimu wa ubita uruweta musebeti oitei. Impa mudimu ufadineo tawieta musebeti o. Which means, without those gifts, you can't fulfill the calling. Are you still with me? Basically, you need the gifting to fulfill your calling. We generally witness a greater anointing and effectiveness in the area you are gifted in. Most people say, I, 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 I think I'm, I feel too, I, I, I think I'm called to preach. Listen, start being effective wherever you are. You will discover whether you are called to be a preacher or not. Most of us did not start by preaching. We didn't even like preaching. We started by doing other things. Now as an actor. And a stand-up comedian. And all these other things that I did. And as a Christian, I was an usher. I was a worship team member. I was a worship team leader. I was a creativity team leader. I was a leader of, what was the other one? Social action. A lot of things. That had nothing to do with standing there and preaching and one day they asked me to preach because they there was this guy who thought hey this guy shares nice and he doesn't know that most of the things i was sharing i took them from him <laughs> and then they asked me to preach and then i figured preaching is not for kids and i stole my pastor's sermon as it was with his jokes and everything and they thought, wow, you are good. Can you preach again next week? Then it started. But then you know what happened? There was fruit. There was fruit. And then God started staring this thing. God started staring this thing. And other interests started falling by the wayside. Gradual. And here we are today. I wanted to be an evangelist myself. Yes! 
Lady, what, what, what? Because I thought that's what they are. So most diligent Christians in their service to the Lord often see their gifting even before they are certain what they are called to do. Most people who are busy in the things of the Lord, loving God and serving Him, most of the time they already see their gifts at work. Because they do everything. When there's someone who's sick, they pray for them. Because that's what Christians do. But then they start seeing more results. And other people say, I want to know my colleague. And he say, what are you doing in the service of the Lord? I'm an usher. Is that a bad thing? Yeah, but let me tell you, that's not the best way to discover what you are called to do. Do all the things that God has called us to do and you will see the fruit in the one you are gifted in. Are you okay with that? Other gifts seem more natural whilst others are clearly supernatural. Yet all of them are actually supernatural. They are spiritual. They come from God, all of them. Other gifts, if you read the verses, I thought we would read them. There are gifts like leadership, like serving, like administration. In Exodus chapter 31, it speaks of a holy up. God says, I have called these guys, I have put my spirit upon them to do all manner of crafts work. You know, stuff that you and I think, ah, can anyone actually be called to be a carpenter? God says, I have put my spirit on them. Some of the gifts, if you go and read, the Bible says, others are called to encourage. Do you think you can encourage without the anointing of God? If it's a gift, you need the gift, the, 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 the anointing. And most of us think, oh, preaching is a gift. There are lots of gifts. Some of them just don't seem like, oh, supernatural, like healings and faith and workers of miracles. But serving can be a gift. And in fact, it is. If you read the Bible. Is that okay? And so for most people, they're thinking, I need to be doing the supernatural. It is supernatural. It's just that you are thinking it should be done in the natural. The reason I wanted us to read those verses, you should go and read them. It's the fact that when you read them, you will note that in all the gifts that are mentioned in the Bible, there is not a gift called eldership. Eh? No, there's no way it says others are gifted or called to be elders. There's no such a calling or a gifting. But here's where I want you to realize why. It is notable that although the office of an elder and that of a deacon are filled by people with callings and gifts, they themselves, meaning the office of an elder and a deacon, are not enumerated as gifts or specific callings in the scriptures above. It is because they are essentially tasks even though sanctioned by God. To be an elder is a work. You understand that? Now, how, how do we differentiate between these things? One day we will clarify all these things for you. All elder, elders and deacons in the Bibles are appointed by men. If you go and read the Bible, Paul says to Titus 1 verse 5, the reason I left you in Crete 
was that you can finish the unfinished business and appoint elders. Acts 14, they appointed elders for them. Who appoints human beings? You, are, you understand? But as soon as they have appointed, God ratifies. What does that mean? It means God endorses. Are you still with me? But when it comes to calling and gifting, who calls? God. Who anoints? God. Who qualifies? So you see, you cannot stand here and disqualify a prophet. You can't disqualify an evangelist. Because before they were formed in their mother's wombs, God already qualified them and he does not need you to qualify them. You can deny that they are apostles or whatever God has called them to do, but you cannot disqualify them. But when it comes to elders and deacons, it's a different story. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, it says, here is a trustworthy saying, if any man desires to be an overseer or an elder, he desires what? A noble task. You understand what I'm saying? But it says that it gives you the qualifications that other human beings must verify. It says he must be a husband of one. Who's going to see that you are a husband of one wife? Us. Who's going to see that you don't treat your wife well? Us. Who's going to see that your children are out of order? So it means if you can be qualified for a task, you can also be disqualified for a task. It says deacons, the way they were chosen, other people debate whether in Acts chapter 6 it was deacons or not. I think it was. But you see, it says deacons must also be qualified this way, this way, this way, this way. And they must be tested. If man tests you, it means man is going to approve that you have passed the test. But when you are called by God, you don't pass man's test. Because his call and gifts are not revocable. They cannot be changed. It says that when you stand before him, you will account for it. But with deacons and elders, the Bible says, are tasks. What does that tell us? They are revocable. They are not permanent. They are not. The Bible says, the six in Acts chapter 6, it says, as the church was growing in number, there was a problem with the food distribution. You remember the story. It says, then the apostles said, choose amongst you seven men who will be able to do this task. And it says, we will hand over this task to them. So which means they were there because there was a need for them to be there. There was a problem that needed solving. But later it says the church scattered. Question. When the church scattered, did the deacons continue being deacons? Eh? No, because they were no longer needed. That is why Philip, who was one of the seven, went to preach somewhere as an evangelist. What is that? His calling and gifting. What was his task in the church? A deacon. 
Are you still with me? And so friends, most people like making it a problem for us. I, they demoted me as a deacon. Aren't you happy that we did not keep you busy with tasks? At the expense of your calling and gifting. So most people, yeah, you know I was an elder. So, you don't understand that sometimes church is dangerous for your calling and gifting unless you understand your calling and gifting. Because we can keep you busy with things that are important to us and not important to God as far as you are concerned. So as a church, we can appoint you to be a deacon and make you attend all the programs of deacons, packing chairs, uh, being a babita catcher sometimes, catching people. You can be so obsessed with catching people and showing them chairs and packing them chairs and doing these chairs and forget you are an evangelist. But you are an evangelist who has lost his calling. Preoccupied with tasks. Trying to please the elder. Trying to please the senior pastor. The bishop. <laughs> so friends. These. Offices. Are filled by the appointment that is made by men anointed by God. That is why in Acts chapter 20, the very same people that Paul in likelihood appointed them in Ephesians, when he speaks to them, he says, take heed upon yourselves and take care as well of the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you over you see, he doesn't say he has called you. He says he has made you. Which means that word, you know, I don't like saying the Greek word for what, 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 but I, I checked the Greek of it. The Greek of it says he has placed you. Language as an overseer. Which means you are also qualified by other things in your life. Hence, an elder cannot lead a church if he cannot lead his family. How's that? Strong, right? But how about the fact that I was the worst of sinners, but God called me to be an apostle. Eh? How's that? The worst of... Yeah, but you can't disqualify me. He's the one who will deal with me. According to his eternal calling. Are you still okay? Yeah. Let's wrap it up here. The two tragedies of the local church's assimilation of people in its life are these. Number one, it gets people more committed to his programs than to Christ. We, from the very onset, we make them lose their call. We get them committed to stuff instead of to Christ himself. And we put great significance to tasks at the expense of the gifts and the callings. We don't want people to operate in their gifts. 
we are happy for you to pack chairs and come and go in and go out, but not doing what God has called you to do. Why? Because you are my people. You are my audience. Eh? You are my what? And your job is to come here, watch me, and pay for the show, and then go home and do the same thing next week. Friends, that is a shame to us as a church. Why? Because God wants every one of us to fulfill their gifts and their calling. God has not created anyone to be a church attender. Are you okay? Therefore, people fight over issues like leading ushering. No, I'm, I'm, I'm victimizing ushering today. Let's, let's look for another example. Yeah, something else. What else? Yeah, others want to be in the worship team and they make these things far more important. They fight over these things. And guess what? A catering. And these things may not even be an issue to account about before God. When you stand before God, God won't say, how was your catering team? And as a result, we produce workers in the kingdom who serve not out of a conviction about their, their own calling or vocation, but from selfish ambition and desire for recognition, acknowledgement, and they have a desire to climb the church ladder. I, was an, I started as an ushering, you know, in this church. Then I went to what? Friends, how foolish have we become now? We have become very petty. Eh? You know how you ladies do it? You fight over food in the catering team. You fight over my spinach was better than the butternut. I don't want to tell you what I think about the, what that kind of fight. But all I want to tell you is it's a useless fight. Because it doesn't help you fulfill what God has called you to do. Are you still okay? So most people are happy to sit and watch others fulfilling their destinies. Be it in Christ or in their vain pursuits. Most people here now are happy to watch me. Now this is what I'm called to do. In Christ. I wrote they are happy to watch me doing this. And then they applaud. After watching me fulfill my destiny in Christ, they are going to sit at home and watch TV and watch others making their destinies. Making money. You are unemployed. You are watching people making their money. And that's painful, isn't it? In every way, you have rendered yourself a cheerleader. You are a spectator in every way. Would like it again? How do you know those verses like this? I read the Bible. Don't you have one? And you go, you watch. Oh, I like I like Ngamla. That guy does not even watch himself on TV. He knows what it's a job to him. But he knows somebody will watch him reach his dreams. Whilst he's losing his or hers, shall we stand now? So friends, we applaud and give accolades to others. We forget that we will stand before God one day and account. And we will not account 
for what these people we were watching did. We will account for what we have done. We will not be rewarded for cheerleading others, but for doing what Christ has instructed us to do and letting him rule and direct every area of our life. How is that for you?